Welcome everyone to another rendition of Humbledoge Podcasts with myself, Ross, here with Rue, and very special guest, David Pope Sensei. David Pope Sensei, eight Dan. All the way from Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) First question for you. Sweet home Alabama. (laughs) Do you know Forrest Gump? (laughs) I know the movie. Okay, but you never met him. <laughs> never met him. Okay, okay. Uh, That's excellent. the only thing I know about Alabama. That's where Forrest Gump was from. There you go. <laughs> um, A true look at Alabama. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so you've been here. This is your, your first week, your weekend. Yes. Um, how are you finding Dublin? Oh, I like it. Not that you can see much of it just yeah. now, to be fair. Yeah, from my trips back and forth from the room to uh, the dojo. <laughs> it is a quite, so it's a nice area. I've learned two paths. <laughs> but uh, no, today I took a walk up Rathmines yeah. and went all the way into town till it ended. Excellent. You know, it teased there at the very end. and So I went up there and then I, I on the way back I hit a deli and also a, a fish and chips place. Oh, so oh I, very good. Yeah, fish which, and chips which, which were one delicious. Was it? You Do you remember the name of the fish and chips? It was show? called Traditional. Traditional fish. Oh, on Camden Street, I think. There you go. Nice. It must be good if Rune knows them off by heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. I had the cod and chips. And so. Maybe it was McGuinness's. What is it? Small place with red on the outside? No, it Tr- was, uh, you know, just a big picture window walking in. Oh. And... Um, but it sat right on the main road, yeah. facing Red mm-hmm. Mines. Mm-hmm. So you had some classic fish and chips. Next one. Next yeah, it was really good. I couldn't even too. eat all of it. So yeah. I've yeah. still got more to go home to. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, David Pope Sensei is here on the internship. Um, what? It's a very unique internship, I have to say, because yeah. you're so senior to everyone here it's a nice way of saying it (laughs) no just an experience and everything like that like Mm. you're not I don't think you're here to to improve your karate so to speak right are you here are you here to improve your karate or is it more of course I mean yeah I am but but that's not really the purpose I mean you know I can learn things from Scott when he comes over and I have time to work on them that sort of thing so I could do that without the visit but just to invest myself, you know, because I want to learn about the dojo and HDKI as a whole, and this is the best way to do it. Great. It's nice. Yes. So that's that's what you're hoping to get out of the experience. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I wrote down for Scott, I, you know, uh, of course, personal uh, improvement, which is instruction, yeah. but also my instruction. Good to improve on my teaching because mm. it makes it more versatile. Indeed. And uh, then uh, conditioning, and that's happening rapidly. Physical conditioning? Yes. Mm. You yeah. feeling fitter already? 
Well, like I told Kevin in the thing, I said, you know, I'm trying to do this with a 67-year-old body. Yeah. So it's not easy. Yeah. Well, anyone, I like, anyone can do it, and you do it at your own pace, and you you push yourself however much you think you need to, or or depending on what you want to get out of it, that's what you'll do. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I I already personally see a shift in how I think we are 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 reacting to you being here as an intern because like before this um, with the exception of Kevin everyone's been quite young like Ishmael, Juan, mm-hmm. um, Valen like these, mm-hmm. these people mm-hmm. um, are all young in their 20s early 30s or whatever yeah, actually I think all but two interns uh, all but three interns have been in their 20s there was Pallavi, Kevin and now David Pope Sensei yeah, yeah. and I, I could definitely see how normally we push the physicality of training yeah. a lot more but now it's it's shifted to a little bit more technical, but much more about how the, the teaching happens and stuff. I think mm-hmm. is what we're mm-hmm. we're we're focusing on a little bit more. So we've still got a, a good a few weeks to go, um, and we'll see what, how it how it shapes up. But yeah, well, I, I'm enjoying having you assisting classes and stuff. I think the kids are enjoying having a well, new face. You. Yeah, it's, I, it's been very nice. I enjoy it. Have they been respectful? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, threat of death for me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always that little leverage that we have yeah. but, you know but they are they're good kids i mean yeah. you've got some really talented i don't even want to say athletic although i'm sure several are hmm. but they're just very focused you know yeah. the two boys up at the yeah at the David place Lloyd's. we went to that took that long walk and then uh the little girl yesterday was just unbelievable no, Any, anyone I know? Who are you talking about? Uh, Grace, Charlie, and Darren. Those are the three nice. specific ones. Nice. Yeah, but I think like if we've been lucky because um, a few of the classes just now with everything going on, the COVID and everything like that, have uh, been quiet. So David Lloyd, I have a packed beginners class in there, like full the, at capacity, um, with completely new beginners. But then the second hour, which used to be full of sort of mid to high grade kids has now shrunk to just Darren and Charlie, mm. who are happened, and the reason it's just them two is because they're both very focused and yeah. train exceptionally hard. Yeah. And uh, it's very lucky, because then you can just remove these, the, yeah, this is how it is all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about any of the other kids that come in. These two are the standard, yeah? Yeah. Um, and I think the other, yesterday we had a, in one class, it was Heber, who's still a, a relative beginner, but he's been at it for a few years. And when you get him by himself, he focuses and does as he's told mm-hmm. really well. But Grace and uh, Marcus, Greenbelt Marcus. Uh, little Marcus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little yeah Marcus. He's, and those two uh, are, is he showing up at David Lloyd? No, he was no. at uh, my, he comes on my Thursday classes now. But yeah, I know he was okay. your student for a long time. Yeah, yeah. the little yeah. green belt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's yeah. awesome, isn't he? They're very, very good. good. Yeah, so we had Grace Marcus and Heber. <laughs> You know, which was a relatively small class mm. training up and down. So you're going, yeah, this is what it's always like. These are the kids, that, <laughs> <laughs> these kids that don't talk or just train, and you can tell them to fix something, they fix it straight away. So what you're saying That's is what the, the dojo's <laughs> What you're saying is the uh, um, the pandemic, the lockdown has kind of filtered out the kids who don't care as much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, maybe that's part of it, but I'm saying it, we'd be very. I'd be very lucky when. David's assisted in classes oh, okay. because he's only seen the best of the best <laughs> so far. Um, nice. He hasn't seen some of the wilder ones, but yeah, yeah it's been good fun. I used to say that, uh, you know, we have those students, uh, we used to call it a 2060 20. Yeah. You know, like if you have 100 kids and 20% are, you know, top level and 60% are your normal, mm-hmm, regular mm-hmm. students. Yeah. And then 20% are the ones that really don't give a rip. 
<laughs> you know, and they just kind of, they're there because somebody's making them come. Yeah. Or they don't care what the results are. But anyway, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes people are tell, oh, I've got these great students, da-da-da-da-da. And I say, yeah, those are the ones that make you really look good, mm. you know. Yeah. But really, you got to look at the 60% to see what your instruction is really like. That's true. And I think <laughs> that the kids within that 60% in the middle are the ones who are going to stick at it. Well, anybody might stick at it, but it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you quit after a couple of years, you're not a black belt. Right. Right? You're not. Yeah. Like, I, I can, again, we've, I think we've said this once or twice before, but I can count, like, you know, off the top of my head, a list of people who have grown up were much better than me at karate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I just stuck out the longest. It only That's gets the best. worse. That's it, you know? I've been mm -hmm. at it. This is my, next month will be a full 48 years. Of teaching? Yeah, no, of, 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 of training. Of training. Yeah. And I have seen so many just prodigies. Mm -hmm. you know, that, yeah. yeah, and they're all gone. That's it, yeah. I mean, not all of them. There's probably, I can think of two mm -hmm. people that I came up with that still do karate that, that I thought were really, you know, yeah. phenomenal. The conversations I've had with people was like, oh, I wish I never gave up karate. And I'm like, well, yeah, you did, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, Man, I that's, mean, you know, yeah. it's... It, it turns out that the people that last are the ones that are the best. And I think we all go through that that phase. Even the most, like me, I loved karate. And I was so enthusiastic and very successful at a young age at karate. And even I had my moments where I was like, oh, I'd rather just go out with my friends today rather than go training. And I think parents, some parents fall into the trap of that where their kid says they don't want to go, so they let them not go. And they say, oh, well, this is just like your football or your thing like that. But karate is incredibly hard for kids to do. Mm -hmm. So they will always choose the easier thing, mm -hmm. always, despite the fact that when they show up to training, they love it. Now, there's some kids that show up to training, they hate it, you can tell they hate it, mm -hmm. and you feel sorry for them that they're being forced to come here, and that's like, yeah, that's a shame. But I think most of the time, kids who are, doesn't matter if they're good, not very athletic, or, you know, prodigies, there is a moment where they go, oh, I don't want to do it. And as parents, parents listen, never let your kid quit karate, man. It's one of the best <laughs> things ever. Like, yeah. never. They're like, I'm so happy that my dad pushed me through those tough years to still go training every, religiously every week. Because um, the, the people who got away with saying they didn't want to go and didn't show up, they, they now regret giving it up. Well, I think... I think 80% of people, when I'm meeting somebody new, I tell them I'm a karate instructor, and, and then 80% of people will go, oh, I did karate when I was a kid. Yeah, I got like a yellow belt and then I quit. Yeah. Yes. That's, it. That's, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the majority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, such a, it's such a good thing <coughs> for, uh, like for children, adults, teenagers, everything in between. And uh, man, it hurts when you see somebody who you can see the development, even like a personality development, like a like a like from going from a really shy, awkward kid who can't have a conversation to someone who can chat to mm -hmm. you, no problem. I mean, that's one of the the best things I think karate does is like that confidence boost. But then again, they get the confidence boost and they make a whole bunch of friends and like I'm going out with my friends instead. <laughs> <laughs> Catch twenty two. Should be training with their friends. Uh, David Sensei. Yes. Why did you start karate? Ah. Uh, because I wanted the, the confidence and 
you know, I wanted to be able to protect myself. Mm. I was in the Army when I started. I see. And I got into kind of a, uh, not a fight, but uh, a threatening situation uh-huh. with some other soldiers that was completely beyond my control. And there was like... The enemy. <laughs> well, no, no, no. No, these were guys on our side. <laughs> but I, I will say this. Got into a threatening situation. <laughs> a bunch of guys calling themselves the Viet Cong. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, it was in Vietnam. And, and uh, you know, everybody had guns or machetes or whatever, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. And uh, there was a group of soldiers. And one of the guys from our unit smarted off to one of the guys in their unit. Mm. And I heard all this yelling and swearing and stuff going on outside my barracks. So I walk out and I stepped out right in the middle of it. And uh, so these guys were arguing, you know, about what was said or not said. And anyway, uh, there was a Korean guy there Mm -hmm. who was a, a Korean soldier. We had, uh, there were Korean soldiers there that were referred to as ROC, it's Republic of Korea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, they tried to pick on everybody but him. And I was aware that he was a black belt. And I thought, there's got to be a reason they didn't try to touch him, yeah. you know? And he just stood there looking the whole time. <clears throat> I mean, he was out there when I got there. That's cool. And they they never said a word to him. His English was as good as mine. Yeah. Do you think he had a black belt in Taekwondo or was it? No, good? it was uh, judo. Oh. Judo. Yeah, but they all studied Taekwondo because yeah. we'd see them out there working out. Yeah. We used to tease about that. They'd be yelling ramen, ramen, kimchi, you know, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> but that was our joke. I'm sure they yeah. were counting, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. in Korean. So, uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. But. Uh, so, Jake, but that Jake, inspired me. Jake, yeah. it was reputation, or Jake, it was just he had that confidence, like just, just like, the confidence, just the, the vibe. Like, I, I don't think anybody knew. And maybe a couple of our guys knew because we worked with him. He was the. Uh, I worked in the uh, postal unit, mm-hmm. uh, so it was a military post office, and so. Uh, but he was their representative in our unit. Mm. That reminds me of a, a, a book I was reading. Um, it was mentioned in Richard Amos's book, and it's called Bushido, The Soul of Japan. And it's, uh, it's quite a long-winded philosophical kind of treatise. I read Richard's book. Oh, you read Richard's book? Oh, yeah, I but I, it was a book that Richard mentioned he was reading when he was in Japan. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So his book is Chasing Bushido, and then there, he was talking about this book called Bushido, The Soul of Japan. Anyway, in it, there was there's this quote, and it goes... Um, uh, it's talking about developing your manners through martial arts training. And it says whoever has, you know, if there's a man with manners that are so polished and developed so that he's the most mannerly gent you can imagine, no ruffian can harm him or even approach him. So so maybe that kind of, con- that air of confidence that you have just standing around, viewing this altercation. Uh, it's referred to as manners in the book, but it's confidence. It's uh, it's yeah. uh, rectitude. There's mm-hmm. a funny thing. I remember being in nightclubs back in Scotland and stuff, and when it would all kick off, if you were just the person sitting down with your drink watching it, mm-hmm. you'd always you know, you'd always be left alone. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think it is just that calmness when chaos is brewing. Mm-hmm. People do subconsciously pick up on that, and you know, okay, let's leave this person alone and 
and go sure. ahead. And it's and I think that's true with it. Like a lot of martial arts guys, that calmness, that kind of knowing that you that you can handle yourself, you can take care of yourself, is half the battle won already. Like before anything ever happens, people are yeah. It's like an aura, and, you know, uh, that you have totally. about you that, uh, and I don't think it's anything you can pretend to have either. Yeah. I mean, you got to really live it. Mm. I remember there's a fantastic photo and it's the exact thing that we're talking about this this guy I don't know if you've heard from Fedor Emelianenko who yeah. is arguably one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time like heavyweight MMA fighter from Russia who was small for a heavyweight but like was undefeated for like 20 years or something like that and they only got defeated at the latter stage of his career but there's a photo of him ringside at a big massive fight and the coaches and the audience all got in this big brawl and he's just sitting back as guys are literally <laughs> fighting in front of him with his beer <laughs> smiling and laughing away like still drinking it as all the chairs yeah. and everything are going up yeah. and it's yeah it's just that like, yeah, but can like, you imagine someone like Conor McGregor sitting back and smiling while a fight breaks out or would well, he be in the middle of it well that's the that's the thing so so are you a ruffian or do you have good manners that's it that's it <laughs> the martial artist of the thug yeah, yeah. there you go so, did you start your training in Vietnam? Yes. Yeah. There was a, um, and you know, my first three years were with the Korean system. Oh. So between Taekwondo and Tang Sudo. Oh, I see. So, uh, I started, there was a, an American soldier who was a black belt, and he started a class. Uh, that altercation actually happened when I'd only been in country for about three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. And then they shipped me uh, north up to another uh, city mm -hmm. uh, from Neutron to Quinyan. And then when I got up there, uh, there was a guy that just was talking to some of our guys one day and said he was gonna start teaching a class. And I jumped on it. I just asked him when. Because, you know, I'd always played sports. Mm -hmm. uh, I, high school basketball was my, that and golf were my best and favorites. So, but, uh, so I'd been real active. I thought, well, you know, surely I can do this. But um, anyway, I started doing it and, God, I felt like a klutz. Really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we started right away. The first day we were doing like, uh, progressive uh, Gedambarai, mm -hmm. you know, for the, I don't remember what the Korean names are for those yeah. things, but yeah. anyway, um, you know, I couldn't get my feet and hands coordinated together. <laughs> I was used to playing with a ball, you know. Yeah. So it was a bit different. Uh -huh. And uh, then I got to go home early. The war ended while I was there. So yeah. I, I got an early leave and um, so they sent me to the Washington, D.C. area. I think I told you about this. Yeah. Yeah, I spent two years uh, in the D.C. area, in Virginia, though. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so that was, uh, that's where I started training officially. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there it was just training with him. And actually, he got shipped out. And uh, well, I think when they started talking about the war ending, they started moving people quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> But, um, you know, it was good. I, I was learning from him, but some Korean soldiers actually took over the class, and all we did was kumite oh, really? every night. <laughs> I mean, from start to finish. Just scrapping. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Great. 
So you had I had yes. to figure out how to kick and punch. Punching I was decent at, you know, uh-huh. uh, being a Westerner, but the kicking was awkward for me. Mm. And of course, they, I mean, they weren't there to hurt me, mm. but they didn't mind hitting me either, you know. <laughs> but it was, uh, they were civil about it, you know. Okay. I mean, I took it like that. I played sports. I knew what it was about. Were you yeah. a tough guy? Not really. No? No, I was, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I I guess I was tough in the way that I wasn't just going to give up on something. Okay. But, uh, I mean, I had been in a couple of scraps, you know, when I was little. Mm-hmm. Actually, more than a couple. But, you know, I wouldn't run away. Okay. <laughs> Once I got, I might walk away before I got hit, but I would never leave when I got hit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If I got hit, somebody yeah. was going to get hit back. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I always felt like, I even felt like that in competition. Yeah. You know, I tried to use the best control I could, but if I felt like I was getting, you know, hit hard, then I just loaded up and went with it. Nice. I mean, not to get revenge, but just to get respect. I think that's the way to do it, yeah. Yeah. Did you I, do a lot of competing in your career? Uh, I was never really a good, good competitor. Uh, I had some, uh, a few good years, uh-huh. but uh, I was just never good at point fighting. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we had a conversation on our walk about the, the, comp, the sort of competition scene in America, and it seems like a bit like the Wild West in terms of rules, regulations, mm-hmm. stuff. Like, you've got tournaments where uh, people are doing katas to music and, and oh yeah and it was crazy pulling weapons out and you know yeah like yeah it, it seems a bit a bit mashed together mm. so to speak do, I, do they have traditional and competitions oh yeah sure yeah, yeah you know when I first uh, when I was in Hawaii uh, of course there, we had some guys that were really good uh, and out of Ten full-time instructors. We had like a little in-house instructors tournament. Nice. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, but it was kata only. But you had to do a kion kata, and then you had to do your, you know, tokui. Yeah. And uh, so mine was pasai. You know, we were wado back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so uh, I, everybody had to do kion kata shodan which is, uh, had the four basic blocks in it. And then uh, then you got scored on it, and then you got scored on your tokui. <laughs> so every, we did one round of everybody doing kion kata, and then one round of the tokui. Man, I don't think and so. I was like in the middle of the pack. My kata was always nice and strong, but never much to look at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we could handle a... a a competition of, and from morning training guys. I think that would go, go down That would be well. great, man. I'd love it. Who would we get? So it would be the four instructors, Karen, big, who else would compete? Big Sean. Tommy, Sean. Yeah. Uh, oh, somebody's losing an eye in that. <laughs> That's probably why it would have to be just Kata. <laughs> yeah, just Kata. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> well, now, Kumite, I would have had a better chance of placing, but... Mm. Yeah, that was always true for so, me. So when was it? Uh, how long you been, had you been training before you moved to Hawaii? Uh, that was, I went in 1980. So I had started in 72. Uh, I started Wado, which was when I switched. Hmm. Uh, I started November 72, so it's almost 1973. Yeah. 
But uh, let's see, November 72. And in August of 1976, I started uh, Japan International. And then in 80 is when they invited me. Mm. It only took me about eight months, seven, eight months yeah. to get my black belt. Oh, really? Yeah, with Wado. Oh, I see. No, and not with a Taekwondo. Because, I mean, I had those years of experience, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, but then I... So they yeah. throw you straight in that sort of like... No, okay, I mean, I had to start at White Belt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But... <laughs> you just fired, fired through it, did you? Yeah, well, I was going five days a week from the very beginning. Wow. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and... Uh, but, you know, with experience, and, you know, people always ask me, but I just say, you know, just keep your head down and, and study what they're teaching. Yeah. You know, don't try to uh, explain how you used to do it, because that's mm -hmm. what I see from people from different systems. Well, yeah. we don't do it that way, yeah. or we did it this way, or, you know, just, you know, try to forget that and mm -hmm. use what you can. Yeah. I, I've never, when cross-training in any other martial art, or even even different Shotokan dojos ever go, well, that's not the way we do it. Because I always see that as really, like, the, the most disrespectful thing you can do as a guest in somebody else's dojo. Yeah. You know, you've, you've decided to go and train, mm. and do what you're told. Even if it's uh, and, and if it's it, wrong, if you if you fundamentally disagree with it, then you say us, and when they're not looking, just do what you normally do. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as if so even if there's a visiting instructor and you put up your hand and say, "Well, that's not the way we were taught." It's not like they're gonna say, "Oh, well, <laughs> let me let me teach it the way you already know how to do it." Then yeah, <laughs> you know? it doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. So when you so you moved to Hawaii and how. Like so, uh, Scott told me once. I think before we met, I think it was just when he was giving us the backstory uh, before we met, met each other in San Diego. But he was mm -hmm. telling me how much work you were doing. How how often were you teaching when you were in Hawaii? Like what was the... <laughs> it's like a nightmare sometimes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I'll just give you a daily routine. So uh, we had to be at the dojo at six thirty in the morning. Jesus. The warm up Stop. was from six thirty to seven. And that include, uh, back then, what we used to do was you had a kata week or a kumite week for classes. If it was a kata week, then you had to do 20 minutes of kumite with somebody in the dojo. So, you know, all the instructors. And then we did 10 minutes of heavy bag regardless, every, every class. Uh -huh. So we did heavy bag. There was like three heavy bags, and you just kind of, we had different drills going on at each bag. You move from one bag to the other. So it was a lot of contact with the bags. Yeah. And then uh, so class was over at 8 o'clock. Then we had a business meeting that went to 9. Then you could you had to go out and promote your schools, your dojos. Uh -huh. So we would go to shopping centers and hand out flyers. This is back in the 80s, so no cell phones, no... Uh -huh. You know, yeah. no electronic information. You know, yeah. we had a uh, old mimeograph machine in the dojo. If you know what those are, no, nope. <laughs> no idea. It's like yeah, it's a copier, yeah, oh. like a Xerox, but it's even older than that. Oh, right. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it was something that our schools had back in the '60s. Wow. But wow. they had one in the dojo, and so they would run off their own flyers, oh. you know, because it was cheaper. Yeah. But anyway, so we would do that, and. Uh, so we'd work till about noon, then we'd usually take a couple hours break, but schools were out there about 2.30. So then we taught 
four classes, five. You had to teach anywhere between four to six classes between uh, two and six o'clock. You had to get back to the dojo, make attendance calls, and then class was from seven to eight, the evening class. Yeah. So we had another class in the evening. But that one not only had instructors, but other black belts and yeah. rounded black belts as well. It's like an advanced class in Hirano since they taught the class. Uh, most of the time, every now and then, we'd get a different instructor, you know, but if he was there, he taught it. Yeah. And was Hirano uh, in leading the sessions in the morning too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, once in a while, if he took time off to do something, like sometimes he'd go to Japan or, you know, I mean, but we would just take turns teaching as, you, uh, as a rule. But with, there was another senior instructor who was a good friend of his. They grew up together in Japan, Tsuchiya Sensei, and he was incredible. His English wasn't very good, but I mean, his karate was spoke for itself. I mean, it was good. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I can tell you more about him later. But uh, but anyway, that was a typical day, and then it ended there. And every once in a while, like I know at one time, <clears throat> we had uh, he moved the meetings from morning to evening, so we had the meeting after class at that evening. And then uh, at one point, uh, we were supposed to be focused on one technique. And every evening, there was a couple of us that would go back upstairs, and he would drill us for 30 minutes, just solid gyakuzuki, gyakuzuki. Yeah. The other guy was working on kizamizuki. Uh -huh. <laughs> but we used a lot of suriyashi, you know, the double step, yeah. show, uh, where the back foot and oh, moves yeah, in yeah, the yeah, front yeah. foot, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, and Wado, that's very common yeah. movement, and it's in actually it's in a lot of the kata too. Oh really? Yeah, like uh, for example, hand sandan. You know when you do this? Yeah. At the end. Oh yeah. Uh, What's well, pinan, of course, but it doesn't matter. But you shift your feet. Yeah. Uh, it's one than, two. Rather than yoriashi, it's, yeah. it's a suriyashi. I think Scott Sensei calls it uh, yoseyashi. He may. Yeah, I mean, I'm I sure think there there's are, different names for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 There yeah. is, and and. Uh, there are for so so yeah. for the very last move of Hian Sandan instead of instead of uh, shifting to the side in one motion you kind of break, you kind of do a half step and then sh and then shift off yeah. you move yeah one foot yeah. and then the mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. okay. exactly yeah. so almost like a basadai you yes. know where you go one two yes. you go one two this yeah. way that feeling yeah. but that's the way that was uh -huh. Uh -huh. and. Uh, even in Gion, it's the same way, you know, you go one, two. Oh, That's that right. move, yeah, yeah, from the Manjigamai to the Kagazuki. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Cool. I'm just, I'm, I'm just doing that because people can't see you demonstrating David's <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, that's good, clarify. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I didn't mean to get off on that, but, but uh, yeah, I, different days were different classes, but I probably taught about 30 classes a week, so which was about, uh, and we taught six days a week, yes. so it averaged out to about five classes a day. Yeah. And were you a millionaire? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a shame. Absolutely <laughs> not. But it, I tell you, uh, my income went up when I moved away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when you start, struck out on your own? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was a plan all along. Mm -hmm, I mean, yeah. I never intended on living in Hawaii. Yeah. You were there three years, right? Mm, I was. Mm. And, uh, but I, you know, I say it like that, but I, uh, you know, I, 
there were other people that left Hawaii and tried to go out on their own and they didn't make it at all. But yeah. um, that's kind of a, you know, I don't know. I, I just believed in what we were doing. Yeah. And I believed in the dojo. And his uh, his big thing, uh, Hirano since I'm talking about, uh, was when we were teaching was you've got to be interested in, in the outcome of your students. You know, that's got to be, you know, your priority. Mm -hmm. That's what makes you a sensei, not your uh, prowess as a karate mm. person. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, you probably have seen it yourself, but there are, there are black belts that can't teach mm -hmm. at all. They just don't make good teachers. Yeah. Not and sure. uh, a lot or, of people struggle with or it. Or they think that their job is to show off rather than to oh, yeah, instruct. That's, it? Yeah. 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 One guy who I think is who's really good at uh, making sure that people are getting it is Richard Amos. He's very hands-on. Like in a, in a huge course, like with 200 people, he'll single one person out and he'll get them to do it again and again and he'll help them. And Yeah, like, like I, I think we've talked about, like I I've, don't know if we've said it on here, but like I definitely see Richard as more of a, it's almost like a coach mm -hmm. when he's on there. Yeah. Um, whereas, like for example, Scott Sensei's style is he'll have a theme and he'll, he'll start it off basic and he'll move and he'll gradually move it to a much more advanced level. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit in the class for every level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the theme is the same throughout, but the ways of working that particular theme or that principle changes and flows. Yeah, they, they definitely have a different uh, method yeah. Of, of instruction and um, I like both of them yeah a oh, lot yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I actually Richard like, yeah I mean Richard's one because you get feel like you know oh yeah. I'm the most important person in the room oh, as yeah. I'm playing like, yeah. you know. one time uh, in he was here in Dublin years ago and we were just stepping back Aga UK but he was uh, it was the thing where when you move your feet you unlock your arms right so you don't leave your arms there everything yeah. moves together as you step back and he stood in front of me there's about a hundred people there but he stood in front of me and he watched me do a few of them and we were stepping we were stepping back like 20 times yeah it's like extreme Ido Kihon so then he starts lunging Punching at me every time I step back to block, he's like punching Jordan. And I'm like, oh, fucking trying to block it. <laughs> and he's like, you're worse. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it. what he says. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. great. It's great. I luck. I luck, Rue. I luck. Yeah, he came to our, our dojo uh, a few, several times. Yeah. There in Montebello. Yeah, we had a really nice setup. Uh, yeah, yeah. Scott made me feel good one time. He, well, I was first the second time he showed up for our dojo. The first time our air conditioner went out, and he came in like June or July, and it was like a hundred degrees outside. Oh, I'm not kidding. I mean, yeah. it's really a hundred degrees. Yeah. Uh, and um, so it's just really, really hot. And I didn't have any fans because I was expecting the air to be on. Yeah. And it wasn't working. I mean, by the time we finished the first class, he downed two bottles of water, and then he had to go back to teaching the other class. His gi was almost uh, see through. Like see through. <laughs> yeah, it was so wet. That's what you cried. But my do my uh, apartment was upstairs. I had built out like a little condominium oh, upstairs. Did you build your own place? Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I didn't. No, I didn't build the building. Okay, the building okay. was built like around 1900 oh, so nice. it was in the historic district mm -hmm. but so uh but like... upstairs it was uh the whole building was eight thousand square feet 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it was huge. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I mean, I had more room than I knew what to my office. Wait, you was, don't have this place anymore? No, I sold it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, That's wait. why I could afford to come over here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Actually, it is one reason. <laughs> but we uh, we have to get we have to get back on on track with oh, the story. I'm sorry, I didn't no, mean no, that. this is all really really good stuff. But um, where were we? Harado <laughs> sensei. Yeah, and, so, and then you left Hawaii. And when did you start Shotokan? Uh, about three years after I got back home. Mm. Uh, in fact, Hirano Sensei was always real high on Mikami. Mikami Sensei. Oh, okay. He's uh, in New Orleans. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, he and uh, Kanazawa were the first graduates of the um, mm. of the um, instructor's course. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I, I contacted him, told him who I was, what I was doing and ask him, you know, about working with their group. And he says, well, the best thing I can do is come up and work with your group. And I said, okay, let's arrange it. So we arranged it. He came up that year and uh, actually just a couple of months later. All right. So when you were still teaching Wado? Yeah. Okay. Oh, but, but Mikami is Shotokan. Right. Okay. And so that's when that I actually made the switch because mm -hmm. I I had cut my ties from the the uh, Hawaii group. Mm. All right. What made you cut the ties completely? So you didn't you didn't try to to establish your own dojo under the same banner. You they didn't to... want anybody. Uh, there they had had some problems with people ex with the expansion. Yeah. They had tried it before and it wasn't working. So I mean they wished me well. They said good luck, but. Can't oh. be Japan International. That's interesting. An, an organization that doesn't want to expand. Right. Yeah, cool. Well, I mean, How they, do you do it now? They, <laughs> well, you got to remember, I mean, you know, um, there were 5,000 members. Right. In they the were just dojo. happy to run their own on a operation. Wild. Yeah, that, I mean, you know, even yeah. people that have expanded can't usually claim 5,000 no, members. Absolutely not. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. I mean, that's where it was when I left. It, yeah. And it was about that level the whole time I was there. Yeah, We had 10 full-time instructors. But anyway, uh, let's go back. I, I started with Mikami, I want to say around 85. So I guess it was, um, no, wait, 80, 86, 86 or 87. Because mm -hmm. I got home in 83. And I did those Americanized tournaments for a few years. Yeah. That's where all the music and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just really frustrating. What was your song choice? Did you have a song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my song was "Oh My God." Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I I avoided that uh, that division. <laughs> that scene. Yeah. But. Uh, I think a lot of the guys liked it. I mean, I, I did, uh, back then I was still doing Wado Kata, right? So I would do Kushanku, mm -hmm. yeah. which is, of course, Kankudai. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I would switch it out, maybe do Pasai. Nice. And, um, but uh, then when, uh, when I contacted Mikami Sensei, he was just super nice and super, you know, uh, interested. Yeah. You know, and of course he knew Hirano Sensei. Uh, I don't know how they all know each other, but I didn't know all about this Shian Kai and all that, you know, because 
Hirano never talked about it. Yeah. And uh, actually, Mikami never talked about it. I just heard about it later. Oh, they were all in a, a club for karate masters <clears throat> for old school. Yeah, yeah. There's masters. a there's a group because when I was in Seattle uh, years later, uh, Hirano Sensei was giving a speech about it. Mm. I mean, or not about that, but to that group. Yeah. He was talking to the group, and actually, it was on. Uh, uh, the you know operation dojo operations for the other senior instructors. I see. So when you switched, what a uh, so making the switch from wado to shoto kind of like I, I've trained in uh, a wado a couple wado dojos in Japan mm-hmm. and uh, there are differences. There are big some some similarities, but also some massive differences in the <coughs> way that training like certain training aspects. What what did you how did you find the switch? Well, uh, let me back up just a little bit. Hirano Sensei had done a lot of changing himself, and he was very influenced by the JKA. Mm. Now, he still taught the kata as a pinans, but he had made some absolute changes. We did, at the time, uh, of course, there's a lot of nekawashi, and, but he also used what they called nekawashi, uh, dai and Nekawashi Dachi Sho. Oh. So Sho would be, you know, the normal cat foot stance, and then Dai would be like Kokutsu. Okay. And so they use them both, okay. or he did. Mm. And uh, so we used both stances. And in uh, the traditional Wado, I don't know that they're using both. No. Uh, sometimes they'll use almost like a reverse forward stance. You know, like on uh, uh, Manjuke, yeah. they'll twist. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. but the, I don't even think they have a rule about feet placement. That's what drives me insane. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they'll they'll just twist back. But it's like a reverse forward stance. Yeah, yeah. I've as seen opposed much more much more close to the original forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, but. Um, Anyway, so there were some differences, and then there's, you know, it's funny, but one of the, the hardest things it was for me to change was, this used to be Soto Uke, oh, yeah. and this was Uchi Uke, and that drove me and say, Richard, when he came up, he says, do your people not know, he says, no, the way he asked me was, are you not using Japanese uh, to teach? And I said, yes. He says, well, they don't know, and I said, sensei, I said, this is Soto. This is Uchi. And You're telling Richard which is yes. which. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I'm telling him how I taught it. I didn't oh, tell I him. I didn't say you're wrong. Yeah. I, I, that wasn't my point. And he understood. I mean, I'm, in the conversation, I brought it out. Okay. okay yeah. So okay. don't get me wrong. I wasn't like in your face. You're, like, you're wrong. Oh, in this. That would be cool too. Yeah. No, no, it wasn't like that at all. And then he, he looked at me and goes, well, you know, actually that makes more sense. Because, you know, you go get down but I, and we don't say Agi Uke, or we didn't in the Wado. We called this Jodan Uke. Because it's the position, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I really like the Shotokan because it talks about the movement. Mm. You yeah. know, now this does say you're setting outside. It doesn't say the movements, 
but it's from the outside. Sure, yeah. Where yeah. this was going to the outside. So, yeah. so, so they call it soto uke. They, our uchi uke is soto uke in wado because your hand is moving to the outside. Yes. Rather than starting from yeah. the outside. Yeah, yeah, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and to me it's not a big deal, but it was a big deal because I struggled with it. Yeah. It had just always been like that. And then I finally, you know, and in fact, Richard was the one that encouraged me to switch. He uh, says, look, David, if you're going to do this, do it all the way. Oh. And I went, oh, okay. You mean Shotokan all the way? Yeah. Oh, so you were kind of teaching some kind of mix up until No, then? no, no. Uh, I was still using the terminology. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> no, the, 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 the kata, everything. And, uh, but you know, when you're doing karate, Scott and I have talked about this a little bit too, mm. but when you're teaching movement, mm. it really doesn't matter no, if it's Shotokan or Wado, mm. if the movement is correct. You know, because our blocks were all face level. It's like, uh, it's like the way um, uh, Angus Young from ACDC, he doesn't know the names of any chords he's playing. Oh yeah, I, okay, I, I get what you're saying. And um, when I was, uh, so my, my dad, <laughs> My dad was my first sensei, and I think uh, he learned from Anoida a lot, but also in South Africa, none of his instructors were Japanese. Um, and I think he'd, he'd come up with um, English terms for a lot of stuff. So he, I never heard him say Zenkutsudach. He said front stance, back stance. He called Kibadach Kibadach. Um, he generally used the Japanese names for all the blocks, but uh, yeah, a lot of stuff he just used the English terms. <coughs> so, and I think that even when he was training with Anoida, he just couldn't understand anything the guy was saying because he just grumbled so much. <laughs> so was, I think, Ota as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, didn't know the Japanese terms and neither did I. So when I came, when I first started training with Scott and he's like, okay, you know, Hidari get up and I was like, what the fuck was it? What? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> that is hard, you know. Because even, uh, you know, when, when Richard uh, was... Uh, there, the guys would uh, they'd all look at each other like, yeah. "What do you say?" You know, he's got the British accent, and and, and Scots is I, I thought even more difficult to understand. <laughs> I didn't see, have... <laughs> you should see the looks I get when I come over and teach. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> but uh, most of them love it. Yeah. You know, uh, they just like the idea of, of getting to be with someone from somewhere else mm -hmm. that is interested in the same things that mm. they're interested yeah, for sure. in, you know. And uh, it, it's all good, you know. Um, actually, uh, Hirano Sensei taught mostly in English. Yeah. All of his counting was in English. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I started counting in Japanese because People wanted to learn. You know, sure. they were like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's like having that special language which makes the activity a little more special. Yeah, like yeah, it gives it a little character, yeah. or uh, you know, makes it nice. That's like right. using French terms in a ballet class. Right, exactly. Yeah, I have a lady that the little boys in my class. In fact, he's my probably going to be my next black belt. Nice. Uh, yeah. He's first Q, but he's only twelve, and he's a little guy. And, yeah. uh, but he's struggling, but the, the mom was talking about that. She's a Pilates teacher mm -hmm. and, uh, or coach or whatever it is. And, um, but she was in ballet all of her youth. And she said that, you know, 
that's the way it's done in ballet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. So I thought, well, that's good. You know, so it's not just the Japanese that are doing that. Mm -hmm. But Mikami did everything in Japanese, and then you just had to know. Yeah. You know, and uh, in fact, uh, I want to say when I took my Nidon exam, uh, they only used Japanese terminology. And I was very concerned <laughs> about doing it correctly, but I passed. Actually, that was probably some of the best sparring I had done was on the exam. And the exam is pretty much what Scott does, yeah. but a little different. And uh, But, you know, I had to do Jiyukumite. Mm -hmm. Oh, right, yeah. Course, yeah. And uh, ok Okazaki was there, you know, the one that yeah. just died out yeah. of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he was there. And uh, on the very first move, this guy just charged me and threw a round kick. And I caught his leg and swept his foot out from under Way. me. <laughs> yeah, it was gorgeous. And, yeah. You know, they just went, yummy. And he was, of course, laying in the floor flat. Right away, right past it. <laughs> it, was, it was really yeah. good. And uh, when I came off the floor, there were guys on the... You know, there was a, uh, a group of guys that were uh, testing for Yondan. And uh, when I left the floor, they were like, good job. Sweet. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, they were like, because before they, I mean, they knew who I was. I mean, you know, there's, that's David Pope, but they, I don't think, really give a rip. <laughs> but then I finally got some real, you know, confirmation from them. But the one guy was really good. I mean, he had won first place in kata, and I understood that he used to be great at kumite until somebody broke his jaw and he had wire had his jaw wired together. Yeah. But when he he sparred uh, after my group got through, because there well, I don't think anybody was. We were shodans going for nidan. There was like ten guys testing, and then. Uh, in their group, there was only like three, three people testing, and only one passed, and it was him, this guy, Pat Jennings. And uh, on the very first move, he just made one smooth movement forward, and when he hit that guy with a Gyakuzuki, I mean, it just echoed through the gym. I thought, holy <laughs> shit. I said, he liked my spark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, but it was just, I mean, well, I can't say what I was going to say, but it was good. <laughs> it was you can good. say what you want to say. No, I can't. Oh, trust me, you can say whatever you want. And nobody listens to <laughs> uh, we don't. We don't bleep anything on this podcast. No. <laughs> Um, but it was really good. So, yeah, good. sorry, Mikami, was that the name of uh, yeah. that old school guy? So he and Okazaki were working together. Oh, yes. Right? Mm -hmm. ITKF, is that the one? Um, ISKF. Sorry, ISKF. Yeah. Right, ISKF. And you were with that group for a long time, were you? Uh, five years, four oh, okay. years. Okay. And yeah, I eventually went back to Wado again. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, they asked me to, you know. And, you know, interestingly enough, the reason I went back was I just could not justify having to pay them a lot of my earnings back. Yeah. You know, what I was getting. I couldn't grade my own students. 
you know, I couldn't do this, I couldn't do that. And I just didn't, I hadn't been brought up like that in the karate world. Yeah. And I just didn't get it. Yeah, yeah it's, they lose, a, as far yeah. as I've heard, those big Japanese organizations lose a lot of people just by demanding too much money and, and yeah. surrendering. That's exactly why I left Richard, too. <laughs> okay, fair. fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, and I told Richard, I said, you know, I'm leaving because it's business. So, what, so what is it about um, the HDKI then that, that's keeping you happy in comparison to these organizations that you've been with in the past? Scott set it up right. Yeah. You know, if I choose to be a member of the dojo, I pay a fee. To be honest, I think he could charge more than be worth it. You know, for the dojos. Yeah. Because it's a dojo choice. It's not the student's choice. The students should not be being charged for being part of the HDKI. Because as far as they're concerned, they're just part of their dojo, right? That's right. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. Of them care. So that's the instructor's responsibility. He mm. should pay the fee. Mm. And... Um, you know, Scott, it, it's uh, $150, right? For the uh, fee for, for the year, country? Right? Yeah. Oh, for the, for the whole country. Yeah. And but, they just split, did you just split that between you, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's crazy because like in 10, the States. $10, $8 or $10 each. <laughs> <laughs> well, it used to, I mean, it was like $25 the first year, $20 the second. Yeah. yeah. You know, more but, the bigger, the yeah, bigger you get, it, the less you pay. Like. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think just let each state pay. Because one person's in charge, just let them pay, and if yeah. they want to collect a little bit from the other guys, fine. But it, I mean, to coordinate that seems to be more trouble than the hundred fifty. You know, the first year we did it, yeah. I paid the one fifty. Yeah. And I just told everybody, send me twenty five dollars when you can. Yeah, I think. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't think the the. Well, you know, I don't know much <laughs> about how the HDKI is run, but clearly the registration for each country, you know, uh, their affiliation, it's 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 like a token payment, really. That's all it it's is. It's not, yeah. yeah. <coughs> it's uh, yeah. it's symbolic or whatever, a gesture, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a commitment, and, and Scott's using the money in a very effective... I mean, he's very open and honest about that. That money's going towards this sort of thing. Sure, yeah. You know? How does the way Scott set up help you out? So you've got the you know the membership fee to the HDKI is is very good for for the members and for the dojos and such um, and country affiliates. But what is it particularly that you you enjoy about it? The way it's set up is it the political setup? How there isn't really that kind of top down scenario? How it's kind of like everyone's kind of equal or. <coughs> Equality is an interesting thing. Um, I, I think first, if you look at the way that all the, you know, especially from my experience of, you know, how long I've been involved with karate and, and the different organizations, Scott, like he does everything, seems to be, really thought this through well. Um, what the dojo's pay is on the dojo itself, not the not the students of the dojo. So the students are still focused on what is going on at their dojo, and they're not concerned about paying fees to an organization that they have no clue who these people are. And uh, even if they know their name, yeah. it, it's not, you know, it's, it's like, why, you know? 
and I think Scott gets that. Scott understands all of that. And so uh, the fee is for the instructors because instructors are also looking for credibility, but they want real credibility, and uh, which means, you know, good karate. And, uh, you know, uh, like, for example, examinations, it's not uh, little Johnny competed so he gets a participation award. Mm -hmm. That's not how you get your ranking. Yeah. You know, we don't do it at the Q grade level, so we don't expect it at the Don grade level either. And uh, so, um, and <clears throat> for me in particular, it was I am a professional karate instructor. So I look at karate, uh, Scott probably doesn't like this word too much, capitalistic way, okay. but <laughs> it is. You know, and uh, it's almost like kumite, you know, the survival of the fittest, you know. And, but that doesn't mean a lot of people, I think, get the wrong impression. But if you don't service your people appropriately, then they're not going to stay with you. Mm. And if you do, then they will. And you can't tell me somebody that's got five, six, seven hundred students is not taking care of their folks. So yeah. by capitalistic, do you mean following through on the commitments and the, and the promises you make to... Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. They're getting value for what they're paying for. Yeah. They see a perceived value. You know, if something costs $50, that could be dirt cheap, or it could be way too much. That's very interesting. Because uh, <clears throat> Scott Sensei has said that when he, when he, I think, what did, what did he call it? Like the, what do you call it when you establish a country? What do you, constitution. Yeah, when he wrote the constitution for the HDKI, he was like, I feel like I've written the communist manifesto of karate. <laughs> but yeah. David Sensei sees it as very capitalistic. Yeah. So. There you go. Yeah, but, I, you know, and, and that's probably not a good word because, you know, it gets construed. Uh, yeah, 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 but we know what you but, mean. <clears throat> but the way I see it is that uh, anybody that gives more value than they're asking for something in return, mm -hmm. then the students are the are the benefic beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. I get it out. <laughs> uh, so you know, again, uh, you know, that, to me, that's what's the most important, and that's what you see. You know. Uh, there, there are schools, we talked about this the other night, that are charging two, two fifty a month. Yeah. And uh, most people are going to say, that's ridiculous, that's crazy. But you don't know what all the, the benefits are of that training. You know, exam fees may be included, uh, uniforms included. Scott said something about those things. Yeah. And so maybe it's not such a bad deal. You know, can everybody afford it? Probably not, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if they are staying full, then somebody's approving yeah. of what they're getting. Yeah, you know, we may not like their karate <laughs> or what they're teaching, but you know, uh, you know, and I still feel the same way about that. But <laughs> yeah, if you want to do it full time, it has to be a viable business. That's it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, how else are you going to teach? Yeah. 
You know, Hirano Sensei gave me one piece of advice that I really remember, and it was pretty uh, basic. If they're not coming, you can't teach them. <laughs> That's it. So yeah. you got to keep them involved. Yeah. yeah. If you can't keep them involved, you can't keep. So if you're charging too much, they're going to quit coming. Mm -hmm. If you can balance your your you know what is acceptable for the area, and the value that you're giving them, you know, with instruction, and the way you treat them in coming to class, then it, you should be in good shape. Excellent. Yeah. So one last thing before we, we wrap up, okay. um, where we're going to do our, our fails of the week in a second, but just you say Harano says to give you a piece of advice. You have s such a wealth of experience in terms of organizations, instead of training, in terms of different karate styles. If you could give one piece of karate advice to the people out there listening, to us, <laughs> to us two sitting here beside you, what, uh, what advice would you give? What's the pearl of wisdom you're going to drop for us? Oh my gosh! <laughs> you really take as long on, as you want because we can answer. Uh, <laughs> put me on the spot here. <clears throat> Just be honest with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, about everything. I mean, you know, about your ability, about what you what you want out of something. You know. Yeah. Honesty. <clears throat> nice being honest with yourself yeah I'm going to be thinking about that I honestly think I'm amazing <laughs> <laughs> that's not easy sometimes you know <laughs> to uh, you be to, honest with yourself yeah for sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. because uh, tough, tough, you, tough thing. you let other people's uh, opinions of you kind of weigh you down yeah mm. yeah or blow you up depends you know surround yourself with yeah, yes yeah. men with sycophants. sycophants. I don't have any of those around me. One <laughs> <laughs> every now and then doesn't hurt me. You know? <laughs> Boost do, your do, ego a little dojo bit. Dojo mammies are my main sycophants. <laughs> yeah, that's it, exactly. You're absolutely brilliant. You're great for the kids. kids. Oh, you're great for the kids. And he's loving the classes now, and you're fantastic. And the way you did on Zoom and everything, you were brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You walk about like, I'm the king of the world. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it goes on all the time. Uh, really. More dojo mammies in this world like that. <laughs> oh, okay, <goodness>. well, <laughs> I okay. think it's that time. It is that time. It's time for a fail <laughs> of the week. <laughs> all right. So, who's going first? Will we go grade order? <laughs> David says you have to get your, your first one out there. You, you've done a spectacular fail of the week. <laughs> I sure did. Uh, it's a sin in this country. <laughs> so, tell the people what you've done. All right. Well, I went out to get beer last night and I got it. The problem with it was it was non alcoholic beer. <laughs> You're the St. Patrick himself. Come out the ground and give you a tailing off. Oh goodness! Oh, uh, it was very funny. We were having a we we're having a wee post training uh, drink, uh, you know, to welcome David into to Dublin and stuff. And uh, we're all very excited. And we had ordered food. We had our drinks ready. And uh, David was very excited. Came in from the shops with his beer, and he's like, "I got this one, and I don't know what it is, but I'm sure it looks nice." And da da da. Don't know what you all like to drink. And we looked at it, and we're like, "You bought the only alcohol-free beer available in the whole country." 
Who spotted it? Scott. Scott, 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 did. Scott, did. <laughs> Scott said it. <laughs> when he said it, I thought he was joking. Oh. I, I flipped it around and looked. <laughs> Such a shame. Oh, but that is a, that is a huge feel. So you, you took it back and got your money back? I did back. take it back. And we got Guinness. <laughs> we got Guinness. But we know. That's what you get for not just getting Guinness. As you're, as you're <laughs> drinking Ireland. You never go wrong with the Guinness. Yeah, I was trying to get something different. <laughs> no, I, and I, I did. At your level yeah. of experience. I have never, ever bought it. alcoholic beer. A non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> well, you have now. And I we're have we're now. all going to remember yeah. it. I can <laughs> strike that one off my list. <laughs> Uh, oh, my fail this week happened Tuesday morning training. Uh, we were doing Tabata, and I think it was the last Tabata set that we'd done. And we were just uh, we were doing the Kazamazuki Yakazuki switch stance, Kazamazuki Yakazuki, and da da da, jumping up and down the dojo. And uh, I felt the twinge go in my left calf. This is the second time this has happened, but mm. my I had a stabbing pain in my calf, and I uh, finished the. Finish the set, obviously, because, you know, toxic masculinity <laughs> demands, <laughs> demands that I tough it out. And then uh, I tried to, you know, do something else after, and I was like, no, nope, my calf's went, it's torn. And uh, I went to the physio today, and uh, they said, yep, you've got a wee tear in your calf, you need to rest. It can take up to six weeks to heal. Um, but it will, you'll be able to start, like, training lightly and stuff uh, after, you know, a few days rest, you'll mm. be able to still move about, but it probably mm. won't be fully healed for six weeks so uh, that happened on Tuesday right that happened on but Tuesday but you, you came into the dojo on Wednesday yeah. and you were kind of hobbling along while we were training yeah. and then okay. idiot and then, <laughs> and then Karen noticed first he looked at your calf and he was like yeah. there's a fucking hole in it I know there's like Christ. a depression where the muscle has ripped apart and you can see yeah and you were, oh, you foolish I was, boy. I was very, very, very angry. Because <laughs> um, I love my calves, man. My calves are <laughs> got really big muscular calves and there's just a big chunk. Missing. The uh, important yeah. thing is, does your girlfriend like it? <laughs> Molly loves does the calves. Oh, she does. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's me. I have to take it easy and train. And you know, the folks who listen to me talk about training until the cows come home, I... Until the calves it's, come home, we. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the, the probably the hardest thing to do is to not train hard. For it me. should be more like me, man. When I have a, a suggestion of an injury, <laughs> <We do do. laughs> I, oh, I have to rest. I have yeah. to rest, guys. Injured. So, even already, like even like teaching that night, even though it was still sore, I was still you know trying to ping away and stuff and do and I'm just like an idiot, like an idiot. It's a, it's stupid. It is stupid. It's it's silly, and this is the first time I ever went to a physio, um, in my life, uh, like a, like you know for that's you know something that's right. wee sore, a little bit sore. I know it's weird, but that's the first time they said, listen, six weeks till it's properly it can take up to six weeks. You'll probably feel better, like you know, in a couple of days. Just make sure that you don't overdo it. Like you can still train lightly, da da da, but take it easy. So, yeah, <laughs> that's that's my <laughs> my fail. Okay. okay, my turn. My fail of the week, I uh, missed training on Thursday. That's not like you. <laughs> <laughs> on Thursday morning. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. David Sensei, no. What a horse. That was quite a burn. That was quite a burn, yeah. <laughs> 
You were doing so well, though. I know, and I am doing well. well. I am doing well. Yeah. And the problem is, uh, the reason I miss training... <laughs> Look, he's very pleased with himself. <laughs> I miss training on Thursday morning because uh, Wednesday night, uh, I was woken up at 2 o'clock in the morning with the fucking fire alarm in the building, the whole apartment building going off. And it was so loud and... Um, for the first minute, I thought it was still in my dream, and I didn't understand why my eyes are open, but I could still hear the alarm. And then it was just, and then I realized it was happening in real life, and I got up and I got dressed, and I was getting ready to evacuate. But first, I thought the alarm was in my flat. So I was ripping the flat. Yeah, I, was, I ripped the smoke alarm off the ceiling because <laughs> I couldn't. I was so tired. I was like, you have to twist it this way a little bit and then unhook the thing and pull it off. So I just fucking ripped the thing off, and um, and then the I realised the alarm was going off in the whole building, not just my apartment. So I was getting ready to evacuate, and I I was like, do I? Take my guitars. <laughs> do I, which ones do I take? You wait, 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 so you you thought? Fuck off. The black belt. Gift I never to thought, you. I never thought of grabbing my belt. <laughs> <laughs> the gift from Scott Sensei himself. In fairness, in fairness, the one that Scott Sensei gave me when I got my black belt, when I passed my grading, I lost that one four years ago. <laughs> oh. I lost that one. So uh, so he got me, you know, a, a replica. Yeah. Actually, my old one had a WTKO logo on it. Yeah. Uh, so he got me an HDKI one, but I had to pay him for it. Oh. You don't get to. Oh. You don't get it yes, twice. Yeah, that would. That would yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't bother with that. But anyway, yeah. So <laughs> then I was I was grabbing my guitar and I was just about to evacuate the building and the alarm went off. But I was rattled. It was dramatic. Uh, I, I was scared, and it's not just because I was worried of the place burning down. Because you know, you know, to, you know, I wasn't worried, feared for my life or my possessions. I was just. So rattled by the experience, so it took me hours to get back to sleep, and I wasn't able to get up for training in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> I need my sleep. <laughs> he needs his sleep. He needs his sleep. Oh. Well, that's fail. Yeah, big fail. <laughs> fail, fail, fail. Fail, fail, fail. Don't get as bad as buying non-alcoholic beer. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's an eighth down fail. Disgraceful. Disgraceful. You may be a soldier. <laughs> Well, I did have wine. To be fair, he didn't touch the stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, he didn't crack any of those non-alcoholic. Oh, no. No. He was disgusted no. with himself. Well, we took it back. <laughs> yeah. Took it back and got That's it. real beer. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, oh. David Sensei, I have to say this was an absolute pleasure talk yeah. to you, getting to know your story. Fantastic! Can't wait to learn more as the weeks go on. That you're here. It's a pleasure having you. Pleasure talking to you. Good people, I hope you enjoyed it too. Thank Deep you, thank you. And oosses to everyone. Oh. Oh.